Millennials are grossly underestimated. Their jobs aren't their whole worlds. They have options, they have the internet. Job satisfaction and strength of relationships, there ain't no app for that. Education is not a mechanical system, it's a human system. Any kind of work that's on some level predictable, then that's gonna be susceptible to artificial intelligence and, and machine learning. And that job, where you go to a building and you stay there 40 hours, and then you do that again for 40 years and then you retire, that's gone. Technology magnifies our leverage and increases our creativity. Stay hungry, stay foolish. Please wait as your individualized operating system is initiated. This is the Powerful Nonsense Podcast, guiding you through the madness of modern life. This podcast is sponsored by the University of Northampton, the first UK university to be awarded the Ashoka U Changemaker Campus status, in recognition of their commitment to social entrepreneurship. Now, here are your hosts, Wayne Ingram and Jem Yildiz. Sup, Powerful Nonsenses? Hello. We are back in your ear holes, as always, for another wonderful episode of Powerful Nonsense. I'm going to say it again, the best, the best 30 plus minute conversation you're going to hear. It's a bold statement, On the web. Right? I know, but, but, I was going to go somewhere with that, I don't know where, but. <laughs> it sounds good. So, I mean, you yeah. did back your statement with that, you just totally I fell know. off a cliff with yeah. it. Yeah, I mean. I mean, what evidence is necessary? Was it the pressure of what you said and then suddenly it kicked yeah, in? Yeah, I think I just said it. Just It just came out and, and then, then I didn't think of the And then when you needed to deliver, it just wasn't there. Well, no, no, because we were about to deliver. Oh, I get you. It kind of, my thinking was it kind of goes without saying. Mm-hmm. I don't need to back it up, you know. But who are you? I am Wayne Ingram. I am Jeremy Yildiz and this is the Powerful Nonsense Podcast, the one and only millennial podcast from the UK. That's smooth. You're trying to take my job. Hey, what can I say? It's Monday morning. I'm feeling fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've had my cup of tea because of you, so I'm yeah. on fire now. I haven't had not literally no, on fire. That would be <laughs> no caffeine in my system. This is pure mellow. No caffeine in your system. I could be quite relaxed this morning. You could actually get some sense out of me. Excuse me. I'm I'm just gonna just throw the explicit explicit warning out there right now and just break the swear barrier straight away but how the fuck <laughs> are you operating on no caffeine to be honest it was the effort i basically needed the caffeine so that i could have the effort to grind the beans to then make my coffee and i just didn't have that monday morning effort <laughs> do you know what happened to me this morning <laughs> go on right so i'm up right i i text you organizing getting here and all that and what time I was going around and whatever and uh I only had, because I'm doing a, starting my sleep hacking a little bit again, so I have decaf tea in the house, right? Mm-hmm. Madman. Um, it's for when I want tea, but it's like nine o'clock at night. Um, <laughs> so, but I, only, I ran out of normal tea, so I only had decaf tea. So I had a decaf cup of tea this morning. So you're just lying to yourself, trying to get... <laughs> yeah, trying to, trying to trick my body, right? <laughs> and then after texting you, yeah. I had a nap for about 45 minutes. <laughs> After your decaf tea. After my decaf tea. You sure it weren't chamomile. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know how you're operating on, on zero caffeine. We're going to do this. We're going to see what happens. But but we got a really cool episode in line for you. No interviews today. today. In no interviews. Just We've us. Sans interview. We've decided to forego the interview for a few weeks. So you'll just be getting Maybe us. Maybe a few months. Until we find... Basically, our policy on interviews is only if it's appropriate. 
We don't get interviews so for the back, sake of interviews. Back by popular demand, it's us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, damn right. Um, so we're going to do a kind of, we've dubbed this the Newsjacker episode. That probably won't be the official title. No. Um, Just where we kind of look at the latest uh, articles online, things yeah. that have piqued our interest. Yeah. Delve into them. Yeah, because we try and... Decipher the fake news. Try and, uh, well, yeah. Try, we try and keep our finger on the pulse of what's going on in the millennial world. <clears throat> and a few articles have cropped up, which, you know, generate a little bit of conversation. Mm-hmm. So we'll jump straight in. Uh, so the first thing is that the study of, of across 2,000 millennials, I think it was. Good memory, Wayne. Good Thank memory. Uh, I read these last night. And again this morning. Um, <clears throat> uh, 2,000 millennials, I believe. I can't remember who carried out the study. Unfortunately, my memory's not that great. Um, suggested that one in five millennials are now moving home to, quote, chase the dream or, and I don't quite know what they mean about this, by this because they didn't really delve into it, quote, win over that special someone. Really? Yeah. That part's more interesting. I know. I know. But they didn't really, they just kind of or, that under the Or rug. maybe the chase in the dream means you, that increases Chasing the dream your... in order to win over that Exactly. So that you can show yeah. to the other, look at me, made it. But you didn't know I was at home with Mumsy for like 10 years. Because after <laughs> 10 years, you're going to have your dream. Yeah, which right. makes you more attractive, supposedly. Huh. And they say that people are attracted to people who are... Ambitious. Ambitious, mm-hmm. chasing their passions, because mm-hmm. you've got that drive, that enthusiasm, mm-hmm. that sexual prowess. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> well, I suppose it depends what the dream is, I guess. Exactly. But um, it's quite interesting <laughs> because actually I do think that a lot of people are considering moving back with parents. And actually I know a few. Mm. Do I know a few? No, I do know a few. Or people who are actually then just downgrading their lifestyle because they're also saying that a lot of people were moving out of cities right. in that article. And so I think that, like we've spoke about a lot before, is that sort of minimal, minimal viable living. Mm-hmm. I think people are saying, well, actually, the only way I'm going to save to get my own place or the only way I have a chance or a crack at my dream is actually right. reducing those costs to live. Yeah, and I, th- I think we'll come, come to that in, a, in another article in a moment, particularly about the... Uh, minimal viable living side of things, um, I'm sure. But um, <clears throat> I actually, as we were looking through the articles this morning, uh, I almost kind of went into a conversation with you about uh, something I'd been considering recently, but was like, oh, I'll save it for the podcast. Um, and actually, my, <laughs> my landlord sent us a very ominous text last week, being like, I need to speak to you all in- individually about something affecting the house. Ooh. And we were like, oh, is he selling? So then I was like, right, okay, if he is selling, what are my options? And then I actually weighed up because uh, the PA work that I do is only three days a week. Mm-hmm. And actually, and because I'm working at the hotel on Sunday evenings. And I actually realized that actually, if I was to move back with my, into my parents' house, I would only actually have to do two commutes a week. Because I'd get the train down to London on the Sunday work at the hotel overnight on the Sunday, then go to work on the Monday, then go back to the hotel on the Monday night, and then go to work again on the Tuesday, and then travel home on the Tuesday night, and then commute back down again Thursday morning and commute back Thursday night. That would be my commute for the week. Uh-huh. So then I was like, huh, that's actually not ridiculous. 
really, if I think about it, that's not that bad. Two commutes a week, earning exactly the same amount of money that I'm earning now and not having to pay rent. Uh Well, I mean, obviously, I have to give my parents some money, but, like, it wouldn't be... It certainly wouldn't be London rent, because I'd be like, you can, off. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Did but, you chores around the house to keep up? So I did I did my calculations and actually it wasn't as financially beneficial as I thought it might have been. I'd only actually save myself about three hundred quid a month. Yeah, but then at the same time there's that whole opportunity cost and it's not not a long term. Exactly. And that was the thing. The opportunity cost. So I was like, is you. the opportunity cost worth the three hundred quid? I was no. like, absolutely not. To be able to just hop onto a onto a tube and go to a workshop around acting or go to an audition at the drop of a hat. Yeah. is much more valuable than 300 quid a month to me. Yeah, exactly. Plus, those jobs are not your long-term goals, so it's not worth building the next how many years around right. saving an extra 300 quid a month. Right, exactly. So I, I, I decided against it, but it was something that I did seriously consider. Yeah. Because I think, as you say, the cost of living now is is pretty high. Yeah, it's pretty high. Yeah. It's pretty high. And I think um, because we now live in an age where you can run a business from your computer... That's not you're not geographically dependent. I think the idea of chasing the dream of being a blogger or a vlogger or a writer, a musician or a writer or whatever, yeah, uh, is quite appealing. When you say, "Well, actually, if I can really reduce my living costs to a minimum, then actually I don't need to earn as much." So the pressure's off to make sure I've got a roof over my head because unless you've got some really nasty parents, they're not likely to kick you out just because you can't cover the keep that they ask you for, which is probably only about 50 quid a week, something like that, mm-hmm. <clears throat> if that. Yeah. Um, so so the pressure's then off, which means that then you can actually put, or you can actually follow your passion. Yeah, and it's obviously, it's, it looks good as well, because at the end of the day, most people say they haven't got that time. If you're in London, you have to be working your mm-hmm. three, four, five days a week, and then you can't do your passion. It's just that, It'll be interesting to see that when people do actually finally do move back with their parents, do they actually go and navigate all that time? Right. Do they actually do the chasing? And like you say, I think the main point there is that idea that... <laughs> I would argue probably not, actually. <laughs> you'd be like, yes, I could just chill, sit on the sofa. Well, that's it, because the, pressure's, the pressure's not there. It's just kind of like, well, if yeah. I don't chase my dream today, yeah. am, I gonna, am I not going to make rent? And that's uh, a, No. I always, say, I always say that to my girlfriend and stuff. I always <laughs> say, like, if you can't do the thing you think you're going to do when you have time. Like she's saying, oh, look, I really want to get back into writing. I was like, if you can't write now when you've got, like you're doing a full-time job and you can't find 30 minutes, when someone gives you two whole mm. days, you still ain't going to do it. So yeah. my theory is always, if you can't do it with the pressure on, then I don't think you'll ever do it do when your pressure's, pressure's off. off. Oh, I agree. How, actually, this is interesting because obviously you've, you've now entered full adulting with your own <laughs> place now. How long have you been here now? Yeah. Uh, coming up to a year. I think... I don't even know. No, I think moved, yeah, for like Feb time, so. Oh, okay. So, uh, you know, nine months. Yeah. Okay. Um, What has the difference been for you in, like, the pressure and how has that affected you? Because you were living essentially a non-pressure lifestyle. Yeah, well, I was doing doing that whole chase your dream but stay at home and keep your costs minimal. Right. So So what have you experienced has been the change, seeing as it's so fresh because it's such a long time since I moved out of my parents' house? I was 18, which is so, God, 10 years ago. Um, so what has the difference been for you that you've noticed in your own sort of demeanour, particularly in pursuing your goals? Um, to be honest, I think because of those years at home, I was already like training my own discipline. So it was right. kind of like it was already built in. 
And so like everybody, every one of my friends who knows I work from home or I kind of have my, all the different things I do going on, they're like, you're so disciplined. I'm like, yeah, that's because I've just constantly do it now. So it doesn't feel like, oh, I'll wake up, go in my room and start doing like emails and stuff like that. So mm. for me, it's just like you've got to build that discipline, whereas I think a lot of people don't have that. And so the pressure is right. not really any different. I know my costs have gone up, but then I know how to cover them and I know, okay, it just means I need to be more di- disciplined at these things mm-hmm. to meet those costs. But then just comes down to, I think it's just experience now. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of, I know I've got certain numbers to hit mm-hmm. and now I just know exactly what I need to do to get that done. And it's having a discipline to then go and do those things. Yeah. Do you consider yourself, because <clears throat> I think it's sometimes easy to forget, do you consider yourself to be disciplined? Yeah. Do you consider yourself, or on what scale do you consider yourself to be disciplined with? One being like, you're a lazy git, or 10 being like, you're samurai level discipline i would say i'm up there like definitely like a nine or at least, really yeah That's only interesting. only on the things that i know need to get done there's things that i know are are like i know not very important mm-hmm. like the amber but if something that's like red it has to get done today it's gonna get done oh okay so you're disciplined on the kind of stuff that has to be it's not like you're always on discipline mode but you're no. kind of like these are the things i have to get done today no. and they will get done in time in my notes i've got a list of about 30 things that need to be done they don't need to be done today but i've got a list of six that do need to get done today right they will get done okay. today that's okay. how i work <laughs> yeah no that's fair that's fair yeah i just wanted to ask because i sometimes i'm like am i that disciplined i have my moments but I, in terms of like actually getting work done, I've always said to you like I work really well on a deadline. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that sense, I guess I am because I always get things done on time. Yeah. Um, I just think as long as you're moving forward and you're actually taking actions that are towards the goals that you have, then you are disciplined because yeah. you're making steps. Most people struggle is that yeah they think mm-hmm. oh if I move home back with my parents, then I'll be able to do it. It's like no. It won't happen like that. You have to have that <laughs> yeah. built in because if you're already lazy, all right, not lazy, but then you go back home, you're just going to default into that. Yeah, so you have to have definitely. those habits built in most straight definitely. away. So we're nearly halfway through the episode already and Damn. we've only covered one article. So I'm going to move on to the next one, uh, which kind of talks about, well, we'll talk about the minimal viable living side of things, I'm sure. Um, <clears throat> this article was uh, exploring the idea. Um, I can't remember who the article was from. Um but it's exploring the idea. We'll that, link to all the articles anyway. Yeah, we will. Um, that nearly half of millennials can't afford to cover a five hundred dollar emergency, which is you know about four hundred quid here, I'd say. Yeah, and I think that just kind of goes back to a lot of the stats you hear that people are usually a couple of paychecks from homelessness, mm-hmm. and I think that a lot of the time. Let's 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 just address the elephant in the room first of all. What's that? Given that it's dollars, do you think the same problem exists here? Hundred percent. I know lots of yeah. friends who are like I'd agree with you there. go to um yeah, especially in I in the young people, especially millennials nowadays, a lot of them you speak to, if you are like especially in London, you speak to a lot of people who have got high rents, have got wanna go out and enjoy themselves, but you're like, What if something emergency came up? And I know a lot of the time I know lots of friends who would just be like, I just have to call my parents and my parents will mm-hmm. transfer me an extra five hundred pounds. And um, so I, I went to the States recently and my uh, one of my friends from uni, she's moved out there and she didn't realise how expensive it is. And she's already had to be like, oh, parents, can you send me a little extra money? Yep. And it's that idea that, yeah, you a lot of the time, yeah. a lot of the people are spending most of their money they earn that month and it's going. And it goes back mm-hmm. to our interview with um, 
Pete Matthews is talking, it's just that millennials aren't so good at saving or they kind of never have the opportunity to because of how high their costs are, which then goes back to our first article we spoke about, which is why people consider moving back home to make that sort of nest egg, which is exactly what I did when I got back from uni was to move back home because I wanted to have myself a safety buffer. Yeah. And to be honest, like until very recently... Um, I've not had any buffer. I now have a buffer now. I have an emergency fund, which can cover me for, you know, probably um, a month living at my current lifestyle or two months really stripping back to and like not having a life. Um, but that's only because of what we've managed to do with the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, that's not based on any day job income or anything like that. Um, and, you know, I when I first moved to London, I... I I could barely cover my actual costs, let alone a 500 quid emergency, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's a real, real issue. But that being said, uh, the article did go on to um, kind of break down what people were saying their top costs were. Uh, the first costs being, um, and this was actually for millennials and baby boomers, mm-hmm. interestingly enough. The top two were essential expenses, your minimal viable living um and then eating out mm-hmm. and i was like well there you go yeah and actually i've <clears throat> recently um i've because i know what my minimal viable living number is um we'll link to the minimal viable living episode where we talk about that and break that down uh, i know what that number is um but really the last few months since i because about a year ago i had a significant increase in income um, for me anyway. Um, and so my lifestyle has slowly ballooned as, as it tends to do when you're earning more money. And it's only been in the last sort of month that I've gone, hang on a second. How the hell am I spending all of this money? Mm-hmm. Like how the hell am I getting to the end of a month without having anything left over? Like what's happening? So I've really stripped back recently. And actually one of the biggest things, the biggest money savers has been just not eating out and just stocking my cupboards full spending spending what feels like a big amount of money to make sure my cupboards are full and then not eating out because i can tell you for a fact when you eat out you're paying double the price you'd be paying if you made it yourself at home of course and then but then there's that trade-off of time because i know i'm the same i eat out i think since i got back i literally have been eating out every mm-hmm. single meal and then you're just like why not just make something but you're like mm-hmm. oh, but that takes time then i gotta wash up the dishes then you so it is a tough one but yeah, yeah it's interesting in, that. The, last, it's in the last two. two weeks i've eaten out twice um, and those have literally been just by eating out. That's like going via like Sainsbury's and picking up a meal deal because I haven't got time. In the last two days, yeah. I've not eaten any meals that I've made myself, pretty much. <laughs> wow! And I bet your outgoings are much higher than me. Yeah, in the probably. Last two weeks. I'm probably not tracking them as well higher. as I should. But <laughs> so it's no. an interesting thing to consider. Yeah. Um, and also, just don't look at it as well as like always a 500 pound emergency. Again, go back to what you're saying about moving, staying in London. It's a, it could be a 500 pound opportunity fund. So it's mm. something that. You need to consider if something crops up or somebody you've yeah. met or someone invites you over to meet them somewhere or you might have to fly out somewhere. Like if you've got that money available, that could be a huge opportunity that is going to then help you get what you want. So yeah. again, I just think you've got to have some sort of... Just keep create, just keep building a buffer. Yeah, that buffer. It'll just give you so much more like safety even in your mentality when you know, mm-hmm. well, if my boss is a bit of a dick and I actually do think, do you know what, fuck it, I'll leave my job but I've got two grand in the bank that'll cover my rent for a couple of months or keep me going for a couple of months. Then I've got two months to look for a new job. That gives you so much more mm-hmm. sort of power in yourself. And it completely snowballs as well, I found. It completely snowballs. The more of a buffer you have, 
the more the easier it is to then create a buffer i find because you're just kind of like grow at first it's i kind of think like when i'm playing a video game and i've collected all my currency and i'm like well i'm not going to let it go below that number mm-hmm. um and it's kind of like the same thing once it's kind of like well i don't want that buff to go below 100 quid and then so then you you allow yourself the little bit of leeway to to invest and stuff and then and then you save more and then it's like oh well i'm not going to let that go below 500 quid now even if I do have to tap into some emergency funds. And then slowly that, that milestone just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And then it just becomes becomes easier. I'm so much better at saving money now that I have my buffer than I was when I was at the bottom of it. Because it was kind of like, well, I'm at the bottom of it anyway, so mm-hmm. I may as well just keep going. <laughs> um, so it's a very much a psychological thing as well. But just keep, just even if it's just... And, and those listen to that those interviews we did with... Um, pete matthew because uh, we talk about some tools and things as well to help you save those ai stuff that we've been that have mm-hmm. cropped up like plum and things like that could really be helpful in creating a buffer which i still haven't tried out really need to try out that <laughs> plum i really want to try it out cool uh, take so, a quick yes break? let's take a quick break and uh, then we'll come back with the we might go a little bit long on this episode but we'll come back with the final two articles that we wanted to talk about um So we need to say a massive thank you, as always, to the University of Northampton for their support of the show. We're off to Northampton uh, later today for their Changemaker Awards. Nominated for an award. Nominated. That's right. I don't know what actually we've been nominated for. Nor do I. But uh, we've been nominated for an award. So uh, that'll be interesting. So we've got to dress up smart. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, so we need to really say a massive thank you to them for their continued support of the show. Um, they've really uh, built a nice partnership with us, uh, which we're happy to be a part of, um, to help inspire students um, and alumni alike with any any ideas that they have. Um, but why are they a perfect fit for this show? Well, ultimately, it's because as a university, I mean, we always talk about uh the education system needing to teach certain skills that aren't necessarily being taught on a uh, mainstream level. And actually the University of Northampton very much is going in the direction that we have always said education should do, which is actually um, an entrepreneurial angle. Uh, one of the big selling points of the University of Northampton is that it also focuses on uh, entrepreneurship, particularly in the realm of social enterprise, so social entrepreneurship, which is creating a, biz- a business in order to actually have a social impact as well as making some monies. Um, so if you're thinking, okay, well, I do want a degree, I do want to study in a particular area, but I've also got this business idea that I've been throwing around. Maybe, maybe it's a charity as well. It doesn't have to be a for-profit business, but you've got this business idea, um, that you kind of want to explore, then maybe the University of Northampton's for you because all the entrepreneurial stuff is built into their curriculum. It's very much a part of the experience of going to the University of Northampton. So if that sounds like a university up your street, check them out, northampton.ac.uk. Up your street, of course, not geographically. (laughs) You can be from anywhere. Um, Northampton.ac.uk. And a massive thank you to them for their support of the show. That was a good advert. I like that. And that, that was a good, that was flowed very well. Thank you. Thank you. Professionally trained. I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, we've got another two articles, which I'm hoping we'll have time to cover all of them. Um, but so the next mm. one is uh, this is from The Guardian. And uh, there's actually uh, a study. Across, I can't remember the figure, but we'll link to the article anyway. A study was conducted 
um, amongst young people, um, particularly it seems to be focused on those at school. Um, and there seems to be this growing backlash against social media. Um, that could be hyperbole, but this idea that social media is the be all and end all is starting to at least the idea is starting to creep in that maybe it's not all that it's cracked up to be. Um, actually the, um, there's, there was this one school they did a, I think it was a three day, no phones, no social media program or actually they, they, it was voluntary as well. So it wasn't like the schools were like, no phones, mm-hmm. even though back in our day they were. <laughs> <laughs> but, but so, the, um, so it was a voluntary program that the students could say, yeah, I, I want in. They handed over their phones at the start of the day and got the phones back. Um, so they had no social media access. I can't believe any kids did that in school. I, well, I was surprised that it was voluntary and kids were like, yeah, me please. Um, and actually, apparently the feedback from the kids was, um, can we do it again longer next time? Oh yeah. Which shocked me quite frankly. Um, and, and they, this school, I think also, oh, maybe there was another school does regular digital detoxes. Some students actually choosing to do them themselves, um, without guidance from schools. They just can't, yeah, I'm, I'm signing out for a few days um i'm actually about to go on holiday i was talking earlier all my notifications being turned off i'm very much looking forward to that for a week of just no pinging it's going to be great (laughs) um so why do you think we're having this this backlash all of a sudden jim i think really i think initially we were using social media but i think now it's starting to use us a lot more and i think Mm. it's now ingrained with our emotions it's it's coded in now we've taken the hit and I think now we literally are a bit addicted to it in some yeah. ways. And I think I even know if my girlfriend I was away is this need to update people on what you're doing or see how many likes you get. And it causes a bit of anxiety, a little bit of stress. And I can only imagine what it must be like at school when you've got all this gossip going on. I can't imagine what it would be like if we were at school mm-hmm. and something goes on or someone kisses someone else and that turns into a massive story that everybody's sharing on their social media. And then right. I guess someone in trouble and that day, that person's arguing that person. Then this person calls the fight and called you this, but did they really call you? And it's all happening on social media. Yeah. And I can imagine this is massive stress that all these kids are on their phone trying to remember message those, someone else. Remember those passive aggressive things we used to post <laughs> at uni? <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, there was always... Because when we didn't really understand what we were doing with yeah, social yeah, media, those yeah. passive-aggressive things we used to yeah, post yeah. about you, that mysterious someone. Or you'd do a line that, of a song it. that relates to right. how you feel at that moment. Right. We didn't... Because ha- we didn't have that stuff when we were at school, right? Yeah. It was only when we were at uni and we were presumably, I hope, a little bit more mature, right? Probably but can not. you imagine a 12, 13-year-old mm. with access to that that sort of stuff and the bullying that must that will probably happen... Well, it's just uh, like that little media. stressy gossip on like gossip, hyperdrive, absolutely. basically. And so I can imagine a lot of the kids are just like, you imagine know what? the fake news echo chamber, but <laughs> solely school. about school. Yeah, exactly. That's crazy. Which is a way That's I, mad. Yeah, exactly. Which is probably definitely goes on. I can imagine it's kind of wake up in the morning. Okay, who's going to be at the bus stop that hates you? Who's going to mm. blah, 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 said they're going to get you today? Or like, not, obviously not all bad. There's probably nice stuff going oh, on. Yeah, sure. But I can imagine it's that stress of, oh, did you see her picture she shared? And then suddenly it goes around the school and everyone's sharing it with each other. And yeah. Did you? And then suddenly it's like, and then you just think, oh, do you know what? A day of just not having to even care about what's going on in there could be actually a massive relief for young people. Because I've thought about the, that side of things. Actually. Yeah, exactly. Oh, do 
do you see you've updated his profile picture this morning he thinks he's did it or blah blah do you see they're in the picture together and it kind of spreads but rapid fire amongst the school yeah. and on snapchat and stuff like that so it's kind of that i can imagine being stressful but then even for us at our age it's stressful it's kind of like oh it's your birthday and everyone's like stressed oh did, how many people said happy birthday oh that's a bad thing and so i think we've got to the point where it's so encoded in us now that mm. we are getting these certain rushes from it and then when it's not working in our favor it's causing us a lot of stress and actually when you do just switch it off you're just like oh wow that's what it like it's like to feel sober from social media yeah man i hadn't really i really hadn't thought about the actual school politics the playground politics side of things. And I hated playground politics anyway. Like, I really... Because I, I did not have a good time at school. I hated playground politics. But one of the best things was knowing that once the school day was done... It's done. Playground politics was done for the day. Exactly. But that's following you home on social media. You're not getting on a different bus. That's going to be in your pocket as soon as you leave school, so... <laughs> I really like that analogy. <laughs> Man... Yeah, no. So no wonder the backlash is happening. But I think it's, it's I think it's interesting because I think we are getting to a point now where we've hit saturation point as a society with social media for many of us. Like I'm not spending half as much time on social media now, only not because because I still quite enjoy it, but I just don't have the freaking time to like do all of it. You know, plus then all the other stuff that I actually have to do. But that's also a thing. I think people are getting to that saturation point and it's like, well, I can't do this enough now. So might as well just not because I can't right. keep up with what everybody else is doing. Right. Can't comment on everyone's birthday. Can't comment on everyone going on holiday. Can't do, like, mm -hmm. it's just too much of a need. People are busy enough already. And so right. I think it's getting to that point now where it's bringing more stress and effort than it's worth the good stuff that comes yeah. from it. Yeah. Do you, do you think, okay, I'm just going to, I know we're going long, but I just want to put this question out there. What do you think? Do you think this is going to be a continuing trend and the state of social media is going to significantly shift in the ten, next 10 years because of this kind of saturation point? Or do you think it's just going to carry on regardless and we're just going to be really, really stressed? I just think usage is going to change. And like we've tried to push with the podcast is just awareness of what you're taking in. People already moaning about fake news. That's becoming laws on fake news and stuff mm. like that. So I think it's just going to get cleaned out. I think at the moment it's messy, it's dirty. It's Yeah, I guess we're still in, I mean, it's 10, it's ten years yeah. really since social media as it exists today began. Yeah, so I think it's a dirty version of social media. I think people aren't, we're, we're now being encoded to use it as part of our lives. And I think that as we become more intelligent, then the platforms themselves have to be like, okay, we can't take the piss anymore. And then people kind of just slowly kind of find the way to speak within mm. that world or to use that world. And it kind of levels out. out. Or it could just completely just fall away. So you don't really know. It could just fall away and people are like, you know, what? actually I just like having my phone and I have contact with the people I want to have contact with. Mm -hmm. But I don't know, people want to connect as well. So it works on that sort of psychological level. So I don't really know, to be honest. I just that like, people are going to get more aware of what it's doing to them and mm -hmm. how they're using it. And that's where they'll then have that power to make the choice. And hopefully it's not the people who get, I don't know, just will just addicted to it. And it's just using it and it's using mm. you now and you're just becoming this, it's becoming a platform. It's like the TV. Is the TV right. just kind of keeping you on the sofa? Or right. is the social media just keeping you in this world of social media? Or are you actually aware of what you're doing or how you're interacting with it? Mm. I think. So talking about uh, addiction and moderation. Yep. That was good. Thanks. Nice. Uh, the next article is... Uh, we'll do this one pretty quickly about, as well. Yeah, we will. Uh, it's about generation moderation, mm -hmm. uh, which is... Um, a, a, is it... What was this? In the article, a 
phrase was coined the new new purist movement or something like that, which is this idea now that millennials are, despite despite all of the shit millennials get, yeah. and th- and th- this has the, been the interesting thing actually I think about all of these articles. Despite all the shit millennials get, most of it is actually been debunked by all of these. <laughs> um, you know. The idea that it's only millennials that eat out all the time, mm-hmm. clearly not true because of what this, the first the uh, study about the 500 uh, emergency funds said, the use of social media is on the decline amongst millennials. And then also uh, millennials are, it's looking like, this was from the Herald, the Scottish, Scott Herald or something like that? Scottish, Scottish Herald. Scottish Herald, something like that. Uh, again, we'll link to it. Um but this idea that millennials are now starting to shun drugs, drink, smoking, sex, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, well, um, I heard an article like they're killing the craft beer industry, they're killing this industry. And, right. But, and uh, it's, all, it's all on the decline. Like uh-huh. <clears throat> uh, teenage smokers is at an all-time teenage low. Teenage pregnancy. Teenage pregnancy is really low. Uh, drinking on the low um, with this generation. Most of it being at least a 10-year low, if not more. Um, sometimes the lowest it's been for like 40 years for some of them, I think it was. Um, but like, I know teenage pregnancies dramatically dropped in te- the last 10 years mm-hmm. and things like that. And, um, so this article kind of just explored, you know, the, the causes of this. And one of the things that it said that actually, as soon as I saw the headline, I was like, that's gotta be what it is, is that it is this idea of this awareness that millennials now have around their issues um, because I think the previous generation, and it's implied in this article, uh, the previous generation used to just like hide their issues and try and pretend they didn't exist by covering it up with sex, drugs, drink, uh, smoking, all that sort of stuff. Whereas actually millennials as a generation are much more self-aware. They're much more willing to explore the issues on an actual emotional level. They're much more open to saying, actually, no, this isn't right this needs to be fixed, this needs to be solved. Um, and so they're actually facing their issues head on rather than trying to pretend that they don't exist. How about, I just had a little thought, how about on the other side of it is that actually back in the day you could drink drug sex without anybody else knowing, but now <laughs> True. your life is on blast. True. So actually you being into drink drug sex and then now you're going to be on social media, you're going to be aware that like you'll know if the friend, you've got a friend who's like, okay, you don't, uh, they into that thing but it's now everybody knows everything about each other's lives because it's on blast and so maybe mm. actually it's the sort of accountability from everybody in your actual That's connection true, which is something they didn't touch upon but then but then i don't think like i don't think but it's not glamorous now to think oh, okay yeah i'll be out partying drinking right. five days a week right. oh well done clever you like yeah, you'd I be mean- like well what are you doing with your life <laughs> yeah, I mean, they also say that in the article. But I was going to say, like, I don't think the the particularly the, I mean, going out drinking is, but, like, the, the drugs and sex and stuff, that's not really public knowledge, though, is it really? No, well, well drugs... Uh, that's, not, that's, so. like, the dark side of, yeah, of I stuff think, that nobody talks about. Still. Yeah, I think the drugs is more... The drugs is just, yeah, it's probably bloody expensive to go get yourself some cocaine or weed every day or something yeah. like that. I can't, I can't have my coke and my avocados yeah, exactly. at the same time. Exactly. It's one or the other. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's Avocados are for Monday morning. 
<laughs> but the alcohol thing again people are aware of now how many calories are in stuff you know how many mm. units you've got all this data about how much alcohol you should and shouldn't be drinking and right. stuff like that so that's definitely down to awareness smoking same again there's now all these pictures on front of the it's not glamorous now you see someone smoking it's like dirty so you've got to do it outside you're the other now it's not a popular thing to do so that's just a change again people are aware of the health implications Mm. and as for the uh sex if they're, if they're saying like well sex in moderation i think again we've got this whole we've talked about it before with the whole now you probably have a lot more sexual partners or there's so much choice that people aren't we've had an article where people have there's so much choice to have different sexual partners that people aren't actually having sexual partners because it's too much effort or too mm-hmm. much to manage or it's just i know you haven't even got the time sometimes for that so it just yeah i don't know well, yeah i mean there is data to those. suggest because i mean they don't all, all the the sex side of this article deals with is is the more the sexually well, transmitted the, oh, disease. diseases and stuff like that is uh, is actually higher amongst people in their forties and fifties at the moment than it is amongst millennials and young people. Um, but actually, um, there is data somewhere somewhere else. I have seen data that suggests that actually We're millennials having less are sex having than less sex boomers. than baby yeah. boomers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, but I think you're right. I think it does come down to awareness to a degree. Um, we have knowledge at our fingertips now. And as you say, there's so much data out there. Everything's labelled in a particular way. It's very, very difficult for us not to really know about the health implications yeah. of our actions. When you're going for a bender night Except out, you perhaps know... drinking. But even then you're like, well, you know the, you know I'm going to feel like into. shit tomorrow because yeah, you've exactly. done it so much. I've like, shared all those pictures before of me hung over as hell or yeah. me on a night out. Like, the next day was hell. Yeah. Whereas, yeah. So I think that is it, really. I think that sort of makes sense yeah yeah but uh but interesting uh and just the cost of all these things these things all cost Mm. money dating to have sex is going to cost money (laughs) smoking is like dating to have sex is probably the most expensive one yeah exactly (laughs) what 10 to 15 pound for a packet of cigarettes you got to go for a pint in london's going to cost you bloody seven pound drugs i don't know how much they cost but i know it's bloody expensive so (laughs) (laughs) it's all money and if people haven't got a 500 pound emergency fund the last thing they want to be doing is spending on all these things basically so yeah there we go so uh, we'll link to that article in the show notes as well. So uh, check Share that your out because there's some well. really, really interesting information in all of those actual articles, mm-hmm. actually. Uh, some really, really interesting stats and figures to kind of look at and consider. Um, but it would seem that, that we millennials don't, aren't, aren't quite what people like to make out that we are. Just yeah. saying, I'm going to yeah. defend us. I'm going to defend us. <laughs> um, actually, it's you baby boomers. <laughs> Fucked it all up. <laughs> You're the ones getting pissed at the weekend. Having You're all your the sex. Ones having all that sex. All that money. All, that... all those homes. <sighs> Just <sighs> a gluttonous lifestyle. Someone's gonna you? someone's gonna start the uh <laughs> the uh powerful nonsense, the uh, baby boomer baby version. Boomers podcast. Podcast. Come against us like Yeah. Have, we should we should have Radio like a... Wars, isn't it? <laughs> 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 we should have like a face off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Get some, get two baby boomer podcasts on. Yeah, <laughs> podcasters on and interview them and just have a back and forth. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be quite interesting. <laughs> that'd be really fun, actually. Hmm. Mm. <laughs> Episode two hundred coming soon. <laughs> uh, great. Okay, so we'll wrap up there. But yes, check out those articles because um, really, really interesting stuff in there. And please do send us your thoughts. Um, I'm Wayne at powerfulnonsense.com. Jeremy's Gem at powerfulnonsense.com. C E M. Um, or you can tweet us at pn underscore podcast. Let us know what you think. Um, be really, really interesting to see if anybody's got any theories as to why some of this stuff's happening or even any bits of advice for people. Um, 
Yes, also, if you could, just one last thing before we go, if you could please leave us an iTunes review, we'd be eternally grateful. I ask you every week, but you don't do it. Um, <laughs> um, powerfulnonsense.com forward slash review. We'll probably need updating, but it'll give you a general guideline as to how to leave a review. Five stars or more would be greatly appreciated as it helps us get under the eyes of other peoples that haven't yet discovered the podcast. Yes. Um, so, that's it. I really enjoyed that episode. It was mm-hmm. great. And uh, thanks for tuning in. And we will catch you next time. See you later.